Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. Welcome to the Huskies Hockey Podcast. I'm Weldy, sitting with Andrew here, uh, going over the eventful weekend in Huskies Hockey, both men's and women's side. Uh, we got two series to tackle, one series to preview, and then other odds and ends about college hockey. But I got one kind of main question um, that I that I want to ask you, Andrew, and that is how far down the list uh, would you have to go before you would land on Joey Molinar being the first hat trick of the season? Yeah, quite a lot. He's, he's, he, he wasn't my first pick, and I'll give you a hint. He wasn't picked second through 12, so. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, Huskies uh, win 3-2 to two on Friday and uh, complete the sweep 6 nothing in convincing, convincing fashion on Saturday. Um, you know, after the Alaska series, and well, during the Alaska series, they put together that... Uh, Salquist Kupka Molinar line and I was kind of surprised to see that again um and sure enough um I will have to say you know I've been incredibly hard on Salquist and overall but I was really impressed with how that line played this weekend we can put the caveat all we want that you know it's Miami so it's not what we would consider a good team by any means but you know uh you play what's in front of you and this is the weekend that the huskies needed to bounce back and um you know i thought the three to two game on friday the scoreboard makes it look closer than it actually was um but i was really impressed with that uh that that line and i've been incredibly hard on Solquist, but i got to give him his due i thought he was incredibly impressive all weekend yeah it's nice to see the upperclassmen show up uh, it's you know still still not exactly the ones that i would have expected as far as like okabe is still struggling uh to find his his groove but hey he still passed up on a couple of shots he even passed yeah. up on an on an empty net chance uh on the friday game yeah like passed it over and it i mean burned him a little bit because they weren't able to score in the miami taps in that that kind of fluky goal and they they had like a 10 you know 10 seconds there at the end so i mean it wasn't hugely impactful but still i I don't know and he had i think he had a post on saturday i'm still speaking about okabe here so i think he is getting snake bit a little bit he looked better this weekend than he has in weeks past but still Mm -hmm. getting him um to click i think is the last kind of piece of the upperclassmen to step up. But if we're going to get some scoring from guys like Molinar, I think they mentioned it was the KVSC guys I was listening to said that or pointed out that Molinar had two goals all of last year. So he had more goals in this game on the Saturday game than he had all of last year. And so if you're going to, yeah. (laughs) And if you're going to have that, it's it's similar to like, he he could maybe put in a season like Kuka did last year, where I remember Kuka's first few years, we were, scratching our heads, kind of wondering what exactly his, his role in this team was. And then he kind of broke out to the extent of 25 point season or whatever he had 
is breaking out. If we can get something like that from Olinar this year, that might help cover uh, either, you know, the freshman not quite um, coming into form or Okabe is some upperclassmen that aren't quite um, living up to their expectations. So yeah, if we can get goals from what we were thinking would be maybe an unexpected source in Molinar, that's, uh, that's great. I mean, this weekend was nice. It, he said, I think Miami kind of showed that their four one and one start wasn't exactly to be taken a hundred percent seriously. Uh, yeah. I still didn't, I thought the, the move to put their backup in for his first collegiate game on Saturday, that's just, that's something that bad teams do. It's like that Neaton had played every, every game this year and he looked very, I thought very good on Friday. If you're going to, yeah, I realize you're going to need to get a backup, some action, but, wouldn't the Kanisha series or you know some other series in non-conference, wouldn't that have been a better time other than on the road in a conference uh, opening series situation? Kind of threw him to the wolves, and he did not look good. And he gave up the six, no. and then there was the three pipes also that beat him. And so not a great start for like developing his confidence. And I just thought a head-scratching move. I expected to see Neaton and did not and the Huskies I still I wasn't blown away by that first period on Saturday but after the first goal goes in there from Molinar probably potential Herbie nominee I think that first goal is that's um, a we might be hearing from that first uh, goal of the year nominee right you might be hearing from that yeah come award season but uh after that it literally was no contest and uh it's all good to see the Huskies again I think we're going to get our real first big test of the year coming up here at Western Michigan, um, which is maybe weird to say because, you know, with the struggles they had in October, but I think the schedule starts to really ramp up here. And so taking care of business against Miami, which I wasn't even confident on that coming into the weekend, but doing so, especially in, in convincing fashion on Saturday was, uh, was good to see. It's uh, at least lets me off the thinking that this is just going to be a like a disastrous season like you've righted the ship to the extent you're back to 500 and you're undefeated so far in league play uh if you can keep this momentum going throughout this month and beyond maybe they're not going to be too far off from where we were expecting them coming into the season um i'm still hesitant on that i'm still wavering on what my expectations should be but we'll be able to find out Certainly by the end of this month, uh, how they handle these next six games, I think is going to be a really kind of important window into what we've got here. So, so yeah, I, I, I don't, I mean, Bassey for all that we say about him too. I mean, a shutout and that second goal on Friday wasn't great or at least didn't look great, but, um, then he wasn't tested terribly much, but you know, he roasted the occasion. There were there were a couple of breakaways that he had to stop, or you know, partial breakaways that he had um, that he had to come up big. Um, I did say at the end of um, you know towards that uh, you know Fletcher's goal, that extra attacker um, that we let in with what eleven nine somewhere in there seconds left, that uh, it wouldn't be a game unless Bassey gets beat high. And sure enough, it was some kind of a weird flutter shot that ended up kind of scooting by him. But really, other than that, yeah, I thought Bassey was incredibly strong. Came up big when he needed to. Um, like you said, wasn't tested 
insanely much, but you know, anytime he was, um, when it mattered, he rose to the great occasion. Um, I really like um, uh, Werner uh, Omega every every game more and more that he plays. I think he's just getting more and more confident. Uh, I thought obviously that um, the the goal to extend the lead in the third period on the power play, um, where he was able to beat short side high, um, that's just a, a goal scorer's type of goal. Um, and to see him kind of make that extra that extra move, that extra play, and, and get that. Uh, get that going i thought that was that was awesome to see um scsu dominated the face-off circle um and uh you know really both me and you know just just incredibly you know continuing their really good start to the season uh vt i think it's been incredibly strong so um yeah i was i was i was happy with uh how they played i thought um ashan as well um there was, I think it was on Saturday, um, uh, who scored that? Um, Ashan, I believe, had an assist on that goal um, where they were able to kind of cycle it around. I think it was Peart's goal um, where it was able to kind of go one-on-one with the goalie and just beat him clean five goal. Um, but it was yeah, Kupka, Solquist, I think Ashan was kind of caught on the line change or whatnot, but they were able to kind of work it around. Um, you know, somebody again, that depth, you know, starting to get a little bit more comfortable. You know, we're starting to kind of see these things uh, kind of get a little bit more in stride, more in gear and whatnot. And I'm I'm really excited to kind of for them to keep up this momentum. Like I said, I thought thought that bye week kind of came at a good time and uh, I was getting there to um uh really show that you know there's something a little bit more to this team than that we've seen this year um i found it interesting that clark um sat on on saturday um after playing uh, i believe he's played all game or every game so far this year yes. so to see him kind of sit uh was a little bit of a surprise you had ewer get a little bit of time ports sat on Friday, I'm a little bit surprised on that, but I thought that Ryman Gross, uh, Ashan Line, like I said, on sat uh, or on Saturday, um, I thought that was really good. Gross, I thought did did well. Barrett Hall, um, you know, we've talked about him pretty much every week. Friday, I thought he was really good. A little invisible there on Saturday, um, but nothing that I'm like too concerned about. I didn't think he had like any big standout moments or anything like that. So, yeah, yeah, I like was, I, I like that that young that young line with uh, Ashan and Gross and Ryman. I thought that was a nice energy line. I've generally liked Ashan. Um, he's kind of got like the potential to be, especially with like the uh, penalty kill assignments that he's been normally getting. Kind of maybe develop into a Micah Miller type role, just kind of a, a feisty, kind of pesky, speedy. Um, it reminds player. me of Johnny Swanson. There we go. Yeah, another in that in that mold. And so uh, I've I've liked what I've seen from him. Uh, I yeah I agree. Uh, I mean I'm I'm in favor of of cutting down Clark's playing time. Not that he's I think he's been improving, but um, he he did look quite raw in the first few weekends of the year. I wasn't terribly impressed with Ewert. I thought he was a little shaky on Saturday, but 
perhaps it's because he really hasn't seen much much ice time. I just think just I think just the second game that he's gotten action in. Uh, seeing the, they're playing both Mietnans on the same line, you know, pretty regularly at this point, and I, I do think mm. that we see we see some some chemistry. Uh, not surprising since they share the same genes, um, and I'm not talking about Levi's, but uh, maybe they do. Who knows? Maybe they're that's a <laughs> hand-me-down situation. Do they wear jeans? Do they wear denim? Is denim big in in Scandinavia? I'm not. I'm I don't not know. sure. It's Lederhosen, but, uh, isn't it? Yeah. yeah wait, there that, you go. Is yeah. that Austria? I'm oh, we're Scandinavia. Yeah, it's close enough. Um, but but I think that 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 is definitely. Uh, um, finding to be a successful match and i would assume because it is kind of clicking that it's going to continue um and i I like to see that yeah it's uh um yeah you you hit on a lot of the good on a lot of the good points um they're poo dress is what they wear in finland yeah there there you go I mean, this website is a very female focus, so I don't know if the men wear the puka dress, but you know, maybe. Yeah, let's uh, let's ask them to see if uh, <laughs> if they've got if they've got one or two of those. But yep, uh, exactly. So. But yeah, tough to nitpick about this weekend. Like I said, i i didn't I didn't love the Friday game. Um, and that first period on the Saturday game, I thought was uh, a little slow going. Um, but uh, for the most part, it, uh, I don't think Miami had much to offer in terms of a tough test. So we'll uh, we'll see how they respond with the uh, uptick in opponent uh, this weekend. So when they're, um, you know, one one thing I wanted to add when I was talking about Barrett Hall, because they slid him over to center um, over the last two weeks or last two series with Alaska and Miami and Ingram, who you know started at center, they've kept him at wing um, throughout, you know, kind of this stretch. Um, I don't know how much Barrett Hall has played at center uh, before before this season, but you know, I've overall, I've really liked him there. Um, he, like I said, he was really kind of had a big dynamic presence there on, on, on Friday's game, Saturday, a little bit, a little bit, a uh, little bit more subdued, but you know, that's, um, he was able to do his job still really well. Um, so I, I found that kind of interesting that he is kind of slid in that, uh, that center role. Um, Ports on the wing there on, on, on Saturday didn't really see a lot out of him. Uh, kind of a little bit more um, kind of quiet. But obviously, I don't know about you, but uh, I think my, my pal was a pretty easy uh, pick um, with that going to be going to Joey Molinar. Again, Patrick. I mean, there's really nothing more you can say about that. Um, with the first goal, Herbie nominee, Second goal, you know, maybe a little bit of fluke. You have a bank in. Third, just an easy tap in. I found it interesting that um, uh, we had uh, Gino up at the box, you know, 
after the hat trick goal saying, oh, they're not all going to be pretty and et cetera, et cetera. And I'm just sitting there like, these are the exactly type of goals that I want is these easy tap-ins. And like, that's a pretty goal to me. Like your the second goal wasn't the pretty goal. Like, like say all that commentary back at that goal, not necessarily the one that you were in good position uncovered and it was an easy tap in. Yeah, no, they, they, uh, they all count, you know, the same in the score sheet. Uh, and yeah, I definitely agree that he's, he's going to be the player of the weekend for me as well. I, I, I'm wondering if, if that's a first, I feel like I, I can't I, imagine. It's... I feel like, but I feel like either one of us gave him a player of the weekend in like one of those, like got swept weekends. Like <laughs> we don't have a good, it was like a spite pow. It was, it was a spite Where pow. Ah, Molinar. See that, that makes it sound even worse. Cause it's Molinar that we're saying is the best player this weekend, but no, he, <laughs> he definitely earned it. He got our, he he got both of our votes great. and he got, Alex Fern's vote, who um, was so confident that he he picked him as the POW prior to the game ending on Saturday, he gave us a shout oh. out shout out on on air. So, oh, well, so it's a listening. it's a trifecta between us three with uh, with Mole and our POW. Well, um, <laughs> it's uh, the Go Huskies woo. Um, uh, as well, uh, he he went with uh, Molinar. Um, really? But, uh, he <laughs> Shock- shocking. But he 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 did say that he really actually thought he'd go with Brett Larson, um, which I don't think is legal. Uh, but I guess with his, this segment, you know, who knows? Um, but the reason why he's like uh, just putting together Kupka, Solquist, and Molinar, and actually, um, Goski's Wu and I were talking even before. Uh, Friday's game like what are we doing putting this together and like 30 seconds later Salquist just shuts us up with that goal <laughs> and we were like yep perfect yeah that that's how it works um so that line's really solid all three players had a great weekend in their own way that line provided a spark um not the most skilled they really did anything more right um uh Hall and Werner looked really good VT was awesome Anhorn, um, he said it was back to closer than uh, what he was, um, letting the game come to him versus trying to force it. It said it was a good weekend overall, uh, six out of six points, which is what you need. That's right. Yeah, I thought Anhorn, um, yeah, I think he's he's starting to get maybe a little bit more comfortable back there. Peart um, still scares me every now and then. Uh, I think he had a couple of plays on, on Friday's game that, uh, that definitely made me uh, clench my butt cheeks maybe a little bit too tight but uh, I don't think any of them ended up actually costing us so that's uh, that's ideal so, heading into uh, Western Lawson uh, where we haven't been good as, as of late um, and uh, Western Michigan team that uh, well, you know, just kind of really polarizing, um, I would say, when it, when it comes to what people make of them. You know, they lost a lot, but they retained some. I was kind of back and forth on them. Um, so far, kind of starting out with a strong record, you know, 4-1-1. One, and one. Uh, Their one loss, overtime loss to Omaha. So, um, 
you know, just kind of what do you think for the Huskies coming into uh, Western Michigan? Yeah, as as you said, no, no wins. So Lark, no, Larson did beat them in his first year, but that's the last time they beat them in early 2019. And um, is it the breweries in Kalamazoo? Is it the is it the wonderful um, what West? Michigan Air, like what? What is it about uh, uh, about Kalamazoo that's been the Achilles heel for these Husky squads lately? Well, yeah, because that's the thing. Because prior to that, prior to this six-game losing streak at Lawson, they had not lost at Lawson. Yeah, uh, they went the first what six, seven years in the NCHC, with I think just one shootout loss there. And including results like an eleven to one win that I was in the stands for, um, they owned. The I Broncos. did a YouTube clip of uh, of of a uh, Huskies comeback. I think Robbie Jackson was a big part of it, and where we came yeah, in that, late. And... I think they were down. That was at least the last minute goal. I think they were down two in the last five minutes and came back to win that game. And then the next game, I think they beat him like eight to one or eight. To do something like that that yeah. would have been the last win that they've had there and the win and the losses in the last six have really kind of been blowout losses at yeah. that not, not competitive not competitive uh games so they weren't there last year they kind of were fortunate to to not see or not to visit kalamazoo last year based on the recent track record but now they're back and uh yeah, I think that I mentioned them a couple of weeks ago. I, I'm still fairly high on them. Um, Firstweiler has proven that he's capable of rebuilding a top line every year with uh, basically the top line will all bolt, either graduate or turn pro early. Uh, but he's been able to rebuild that from scratch, like no holdovers on these on these lines. Um uh, and so this year it looks like it's, uh, we, I think we called it the cheers line because Dylan went right now, uh, not George went, but no. Norm is leading the way uh, along with Luke Granger. I guess Luke Granger has 11 points with Wentz 10, but then Ethan Phillips. Have you rewatched cheers lately? Not lately. Maybe I think it, it's been in the last 10 years. I remember watching the first couple of seasons because it was on Netflix. It was when I still had Netflix. So it's been a long time, but I remember, um, um, uh, liking the, the, the rewatch, at least from the start, like he didn't. And so I, I don't know where you're going with that, but I didn't make it to the I, point where, cause there were, that was a show that, um, is, is unique in that it, survived a major like jump jump or shark jumping thing with this, this the transition from diane to rebecca most mm-hmm. shows don't survive that but the rebecca era of the show um still was was that's kind of the era that i remember because we watched it as a family which is kind of nuts to think that a six-year-old was watching a show at a bar but i i remember watching it like live the last couple of seasons as like a family outing. Uh, and, but so I kind of just watched the, the various, maybe the first three or four seasons, um, which is a different dynamic. The Sam and Diane 
sexual tension is off the charts. And I, I, I wouldn't be able to know if that was the same. What? Because I know the dynamic changed with Kirstie Alley, but um, I don't know. I, I don't know where I'm going with that. What? What? what where were you going? I mean, I mean, yeah, you're definitely. I was, I was just gonna say how interesting it was that the uh, cold opens were so short. They were like one quick joke, and then it went right into the intro. Right. They didn't have like full fledged scenes. I thought that was just kind of interesting. I mean, that's all I was just, just it kind of shows its uh, age of the show. Um, but when you were talking about kind of jumping the shark moments, um, when it when it comes to that, because I guess I don't know exactly what happened with uh, Diane. Like if she thought she was just a bigger star than she was, so she would to do what Troop Beverly Hills or whatever that movie is called. Oh man, I'm gonna get my wife's gonna hate me for not. She did the Money Pit. She did the Money Pit with uh, Tom Hanks around that time period. But um, I'm not sure if it was Hollywood that she had bigger sights on at that point. I'm not exactly sure why she left. Ah, it was Troop Beverly Hills. Nice. So, so I won't have to issue a correction on that one. Anyway, back to the fish. So anyway, um, the infamous we'll, uh, fish story. You know, if you got a if you got a few few seconds here, um, we can pull up that random box score. We need a sounder for the random box score. Um, but I did go ahead and pull up that comeback, that five to four win over Western Michigan. Were um, that was uh, March first of twenty nineteen. Uh, back in our oh man, pre-COVID, were we ever so young? Uh, Newell from Lazat and Jackson, uh, the first goal. Then Walsh, uh, and then Dawson Di Pietro scored uh, in the second to two to one. Uh, training goals there in the early third um, were Rushinoff from Passolt and Joyo. Uh, in the third, Jimmy Schultz um, got one back, and then Drew Warad uh, made it four to two. Western Michigan, um, Easton Brodzinski uh, made it four to three, and then uh, Robbie Jackson took the game over uh, with uh, just a couple minutes left. Seventeen oh eight in the third period ties the game up from Lazat and Newell. God, that was that was a, that was a time. God, those were great players. Uh, and then uh, it was Robbie Jackson game-winning goal uh, with 15 seconds left to go in the game from Newell and Lazat. So it didn't go to overtime. Nope. Nope. This was a straight-up W. Yeah, that was a good right. game. And then what was the next game? Because I think that was like a big route. Yep. You said 8-3? You said eight to three? I was going to say 8-2. to two. Ah, you're correct. 8-2. to two. But I think it was eight nothing. I think Western Schools uh, came late. Nope, it was seven nothing. Then seven okay. one, and then eight one. That was a fun one. And we were outshot that game forty to twenty eight. Gorsuch. Oh man, they. Holy cow! Did they have five? Or they have? Oh, that's right. They did a double pull. They did a triple pull. Is that even possible? Gorsuch and then Ben Blacker back to Gorsuch and then Will Massey finished it off in the third. Really? Oh. How many did Gorsuch give up? 
three. Uh, then he got pulled. Uh, then Blacker gave up three. Uh, and then at the end of the second, they put back in Gorsuch, who gave up one. <laughs> and then Massey finished it out. It's weird. To... Was the third goalie, did he just play like the third period and that was it? Like they make the change yep. in between periods? So like, we just need to get our second best goalie that I've already pulled out of. We need to get out of the second period. But then Pretty after much. that, we'll just punt. We'll just we'll just punt. We're we're down seven rip. I think we could put our third goalie in. It's odd. Oh. So. And then that season ended in not, definitely not any heartbreak at all. So. No. No. <laughs> we just black out that one. Wouldn't it have been wild to do the podcast during then? Oh God, I can't even imagine what the highs and the lows. We would have had like a Larson, uh, like they had just hired Larson. They would have, we would have had like a, here's Brett Larson. What do we think? We'd like to have gone back to that. Like what our initial reaction would have been at the time and how yeah. it's aged since then. And then just, yeah, I don't even know. I don't even want to speculate what the post AIC game would have been like, but yeah, exactly. That's, that would have been. Because we had a post Air Force game, remember that we yeah. we did we did the one off. I was I don't like know. the bookend of the part one of the podcast. It was like uh, the closing tenure of of it because again, it was the the big issue that I had was, and it's still the only issue that I have is that he he clearly showed interest or wanted interest before um, uh, before the Air Force game, and he obviously we're talking about. Uh, not great, Bob. Not great, um, Bob. And then, you know, he just pretty much cover of darkness, just ditched town, ditched all of his radio interviews, whatnot, and then, boom, showed up. Not sure if, maroon and gold. I'm not sure if we knew all that at the time, because I think we, because he, they announced he was taking the Minnesota job like the Tuesday after that. Right. Okay. And so then we would have had the podcast right then. And I'm not sure if we knew the detail. Did we know the details that he well we he would have he would have ducked he would have ducked out of the radio show because that would have been Monday. Yep. Yep. And we just knew something was up. I think the story of the gopher assistant AD being in the building. Being in the building that or, was or that at, was uh, Sioux Falls. That was discussed. Because mm-hmm. I think it was Mats or uh, Lucia's announcement was like the Thursday or something right before that. Yeah. But you imagine like, why? Why could you have just talked to him after the season? What was the big rush? Yeah. At least he could he would have still taken the job, but yeah, he could have at fine. least won just that damn regional. Yeah, he would have just won the damn regional. That's all. I don't even care if they wouldn't have won the whole thing. Just prevent Duluth from winning it. That would have been my only goal. <laughs> that's all that we care. That's all that. God, that's all that matters in retrospect. But I okay. That's anyway. nostalgia, memory lane. Yeah, exactly. Back to the fish story. So anyway, the infamous fish. What story. do you think for this weekend? I I would be happy with the split. Yep, same here. I want I want some type of win 
here in Lawson. Like for the love of God, it's it, it it feels like it's been way too long. It's been some kind of an Achilles heel, and um, yeah, it's you know I, I think this Western Michigan team, I think they can be solid, but um, I I think this is like kind of our first real test to see what we have in this team, and I really hope that they kind of show up and get ready for this, and um really take it to the Broncos because if, 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 if they don't, um, and if we look ugly in these two games, I don't know what we're going to say about this team. Um, you know, I'm kind of riding maybe a little bit of a high cause they got things done. They extended a lead, which I was incredibly worried about because, you know, even the first game, they kind of let them hang around a little bit too much. St. Thomas, they let them hang around a little bit too much. Um, and you know, here that, you know, Molinar gets the goal and then, and then Ludke, you know, kind of gets that fluke five hole goal, but Hey, it's, it went in, you know, and then Miatnin's goal. It's like, yes, we're pouring it on. We're extending these leads. We're keeping the pressure up, which we haven't shown. Um, and that's just kind of, I want that same intensity kind of brought to the table there uh, uh, this week here in, at, at Lawson. Yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a good team, Western Michigan. Um, Power play against it's early, so just 16 chances so far this year, but 30% plus on the power play. So uh, keep uh, keep out of the box as much as you as much as you can in order to negate that. Uh, mentioned that top line with with Wendt and Granger and Phillips has been very good, but that second line, I think they have decent depth. Um, you know, lots of transfers and getting some. Uh, production from transfers like Sam Colangelo, I believe from Northeastern, uh, Constantine, Constantine from North Dakota. So they had a good weekend, I thought, in Omaha, winning somewhat convincingly on Friday and then salvaging an overtime loss on Saturday. But that was a game where they tied it up with about 10 seconds to go, um, which was obviously a big, uh, a lot of like buzzer beaters this, this weekend uh, across the country. That was one of them. And that was Constantini with that with that goal. So yes, losing in overtime, but uh, but getting some hairwise points out of that by by just getting it to overtime. Um, interestingly, Omaha went with Flacozzi for both nights, taking your advice, um, not 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 sticking with the uh, with the tandem that he had in the first uh, couple of series, um, but uh, a strong defense as well. I've, I've always liked this Galambos they got from AIC. Um, Berger, I think a UConn transfer and draft pick. Uh, Alex Bump's got a couple of points. We've talked about him. Obviously, for uh, Minnesota prep uh, hockey fans, are familiar with that name. Um, so I think they're a, a deep team. I would say they're, a, a, at this point, at least a deeper team than St. Cloud is uh, offensively. Uh, their goalie, it's Cameron Rowe. He's, I think, kind of like Mr. Average. Um, like That's like a baseline kind of. For you, it'd be Krona, who, uh, <laughs> who I, I saw, you know, Mister Average Krona got uh, called up to the NHL. So, uh, I, I mean, to be were, fair, I, I wouldn't call I wouldn't call the San Jose Sharks an NHL team right now. Yeah, that's. Uh, have they won a game yet? I'm not sure. No. I, the last time I checked, they hadn't. But yeah, not 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 good. Not great, Bob. Not great, Bob. Not great, Quinn. Who I think is the coach now. But uh, that well, they're probably trying to lose. Like, they're probably like, yes, well, that's the, that's 
that's the thing is that they gutted like all of their talent and shipped them all off. So I mean, they're maybe they that's no hope to begin with. Maybe that's the plan with Krona. He's kind of like a Roger Dorn kind of in in disguise, trying you know trying to lose on purpose. So let's bring this guy up. So anyway, but Roe is I think kind of in that vein where. You know, he might steal you a game every now and then. He might give up six goals every now and then. Um, but, you know, he's generally okay. Uh, I think it's a goalie that's St. Cloud. I mean, they've, they've had success when he was still Wisconsin. When, when, I was going to say Wisconsin. He, I think they pulled, him, think they pulled him on the, in, in one of those games, I believe. Um, it would have been the home games two years ago. Oh, we didn't, we didn't go there last year, right? We just, they just came here. Now, last year, St. Cloud went to Madison at the beginning of the year. The year before, that's when Wisconsin came to St. Cloud. But Roe had left, so he, yeah, he was only there for I, that, I, that first series. Last year, Yeah, I'm sorry. I was talking about Western. Oh, yeah, you're right. Western came to St. Cloud only. They did not go. St. Cloud did yeah. not go to Kalamazoo. That's right. So, and that was a split series between those two teams last year. And, yeah, I can't really remember much of that series but it was a split that's what i remember uh, and Roe was fine uh, in it and, and so Roe but was fine i think he's he's a goalie that you can pounce on but he's also a goalie that can be stingy so yeah i don't know it's gonna be tough i i'd like to see a full three-point win uh this weekend i'd love to see six points obviously but um Keeping mm-hmm. it realistic, I think I think Western's a solid team. They're obviously tough to play at their rink, and um, considering the recent success uh, of this team, that's kind of how it goes. I I had to be reminded this weekend that Miami has not won a regular season game in St. Cloud uh, since the very first NCHC game for both of those teams way back in October, either October or November of 2013. Miami won the very oh, first right. game between those two teams. Since then, they've won three times in the playoffs, but in regular season, that's their only regular season win in St. Cloud in the CHC era. And so this extended that streak uh, with the sweep this weekend. And so things kind of tend to happen when you, when you have a team's number like that, that can, like St. Cloud's got a streak in Colorado college. They haven't lost the, uh, a regulation or an overtime. I, mean, I think there's been a shootout loss, but we don't count those. But they haven't lost in Colorado Springs since the WCHA days. So I mean, there's you can go a long time with with streaks like this. You saw St. Cloud have Western's number in Kalamazoo for many years. It's been the opposite not the last few. But uh, let's see if we can flip the script. Uh, at least get one of one of these two games this weekend. Um, you know, you talked a little bit about uh, buzzer beaters uh, here around uh, around the men's. Uh, college hockey any of them you know i kind of had my eye on the western or i'm sorry wisconsin michigan series yeah that was one on what saturday that uh wisconsin scored uh scored a late goal to get the sweep there two impressive sweeps for wisconsin um, uh home against michigan and then obviously the week before at miriuchi mm-hmm. um uh kind of anything else uh stuck out in your mind uh when you're looking kind of around uh of the college hockey landscape. You had, uh, I thought of, did you catch any of the North Dakota BU series? Which I thought was, was very good. Two very good games. And that was another kind of late 
game time goals. BU had come back a couple of times in that Saturday game. UND had a three to one lead at one point. Uh, Eve Lane Hudson had a hat trick. Yes. And then four to three and Boston University ties it with a goal about two minutes left in the third. UND ends up scoring in overtime to quasi split the series. Again, overtime results aren't to me, it's not a true split, but BU winning on Friday and then North Dakota winning on Saturday, I thought uh, a, a high quality series between two good teams. Um, so that one that one stuck out as sort of probably the most marquee uh, non-conference action. Uh, Michigan Tech finally getting off the schneid. Uh, and that they needed a late extra attacker goal uh, to tie that one on Saturday. Had to come back on Friday from a multi-goal deficit. And then tie tie it late and win in overtime on Saturday. And so they get you know a full win and a and an overtime win to get off the off the schneid. Because they were down, what, Friday's game, they were down, what, like 4-2 after 1? Like, it was uh, yes. a high-scoring fair between Michigan Tech and Augustana. Yes, that's correct. It was 4-2, four, four yeah, 4-2 to two after 1. And so, but that was the only scoring for Augustana that game. It was all in the first period. But maybe Michigan Tech riding the ship a little bit with the Augustana team then mentioned has been playing valiantly first first part of this season at staying in conference we saw the other series we mentioned the western michigan omaha series uh denver throttling cc um oh nice talking point there we mentioned it last week with uh, matt davis uh not looking mm-hmm. sharp in that in that augustana tie they had last weekend well since then matt davis hasn't played and it's been Freddie, it's either Halik or Halleck. Not sure exactly how you pronounce it, but uh, he started the last three games for them. I've heard and, it both ways. Uh, well, I, I'm going to say Halik. Um, it it kind of reminds me of Bobby Holy, but uh, <laughs> H A L Y K. But uh, we'll probably, it's probably if he like keeps Halleck this up, or something. <laughs> if he keeps this up, we'll definitely know how to pronounce it um, because three starts and three wins. Now, albeit it's Air Force and CC, but uh, Denver kind of shaking off that bad result against Augustana with three convincing wins against kind of lesser uh, competition since then. So they're they're looking strong as well. Uh, that was the only other conference game in in action. Uh, I nearly saw Stonehill do it. Um, they came close to sweeping this series, not much less taking one game from Arizona State, but they had third period leads in both of those games on Friday. It was a four to one lead at one point in the third. Uh, and my pick of Arizona State making the tournament was in dire straits. Um, <laughs> Stonehill still looking for that first uh, D1 win, but uh, Arizona State beat him in overtime on Friday and then came back to win three to two on Saturday. But results that you don't really look uh, positively on if you're a uh, Sun Devil fan. What's but, your uh, what's your favorite Dire Straits song? Romeo and Juliet. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Um, every time I hear Romeo and Juliet, I think of Hot Fuzz. I don't know if you've I've ever never seen, seen that movie. I have not. Um, it's uh, 
uh, Edgar Wright movie. I, with, I've heard um, of it. Simon Pegg. And um, it's um, basically, you know, kind of how Shaun of the Dead was, a, you know, kind of a spoof of the zombie genre. Hot Fuzz is like a spoof of the uh, um, of the buddy cop genre. And it's, uh, I, I I think it's really fun. It's one of those that it's like, you'll, you'll watch it and it's like 45 minutes, maybe even an hour. And it's not really like, there's some chuckle bits, but like, it's not nearly as like funny. And then it just flips the switch and it just like everything like kind of comes all together and culminates. And it's just absolutely hilarious. But there's this one scene where um, uh, they're they're going to, um, you know, basically somebody has an accident and they're at a play or they're they're going to a play or they're they're stars of the Romeo and Juliet play. And this big the big suspect is like, oh, what happened? And he's playing Romeo and Juliet in the car as he's asking about it. So it's just kind of one of those like kind of chuckle. Ah, I see what you did there, Edgar, right? <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> So, yeah, he's uh, Romeo and Juliet. Solid song, solid pick. But then, you know, Brothers in Arms is a good album. So far away, I, I mean, Knopfler is a great guitarist, uh, and so I, he's my top. Knopfler is my top guitarist. Really? Time. So, what's yeah. your favorite song? There's Sultan's a Swing. Remember it's... doing research for I put him in a crossword, and I think I believe Brothers in Arms is the note notable for being the first album to be released on CD rather than vinyl. I think that was a, oh. a, a notable fact about that. I, I might be wrong, but it's something to do with the CD release. Maybe it was like released on CD and it wasn't released on vinyl originally. And that was a first, whatever it was, but, uh, and there were, I mean, they, they were, I, uh, money for nothing video, is obviously a classic. Yeah, that so, is classic. Uh, yeah, it's good stuff. I like them. It's the world's first CD single. Okay. Well, I thought the album, what was the single? Was it Sultan's a Swing? No, that would have been, was that, that wasn't on that album. I don't know. If you know us, let us know. We'll issue a correction. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to dig through it right now. Anyway. Uh, Dire Straits, solid. Um, yeah. So sorry to interrupt. I can't remember where we were. What we were yeah, talking about? Somebody was in Dire Straits. Uh, yeah, Arizona, Arizona matter. State. Oh yeah, Arizona um, State. Yeah. yeah. Um, they, yeah, yeah. Stonehill. Those uh, almost got their got their first uh, their first win. St. Thomas um, sweeping Northern Michigan, including a six to one win over them. Doesn't make my Northern Michigan pick for to win the CCHA look any better. Um, Quinnipiac smoking Harvard. Harvard. Not looking great, Bob. Uh, yeah. Tying Princeton and then getting smoked at home to Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac's Quinnipiac, but uh, not looking great for Harvard so far. Maine sweeping Miramac. Everyone on the Maine train. Yep, uh, there you go. BC keeping up their winning ways. I that did, so you saw some of the Wisconsin, uh, Michigan series. Yeah, I saw quite a bit of it because um, getting my Big Ten Plus to right. work. 
Well, what was great to um, but, see there uh, was the crowd. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I actually had this thought, too. I was like, yeah, it's good to see the Cole Center, like, rocking again. Um, I looked. I looked. It was first they started the year um, against Augustana. And it was, you know, Augustana's first ever D1 games. And coming off a year, a, a couple of years of, of just terrible hockey under Granado. And yeah, I think people were optimistic that Hastings is going to turn it around. Probably not thinking. As, as quickly as they have, but those Augustana uh, games drew five and 6,000. These games, 10 and 12 in those range. And I even look last year, the Michigan games that they played at home were like set in the seven and 8,000 range last year. So all what, uh, you know, one solid month of, of good hockey can do for a team like Wisconsin yeah, right? bring in, you know, you, you, you sweep the Gophers and look what happens. <laughs> yeah. Cause these are the first home games since those Augustana games. So they've been kind of mm-hmm. on the month or on the road for the last month, but uh, coming back to some great fanfare and a packed house and that same with like Boston college. I've seen their, their attendance really tick up this year based on their early start. And as much as I hate it, like seeing the, the blue bloods, um, do well is generally a good thing for hockey because it drives up interest in these in these kind of big college hockey markets. Yeah, we do way- have uh, Dan Jacobson uh, did has sent in a question that I do have a take on. Uh, oh well, let's that. let's yeah let's let's hold let's let's put that on ice then. Uh, so perfect. Um, should we switch over to the women quick? Yes. So, um, we'll go ahead and switch over. Uh, St. Cloud State women's team ends up dropping um, a pair of two hard-fought games against Wisconsin. Um, you know, Wisconsin tops in the nation, but came in a little bit battered. Um, you know, you're talking about Caroline Harvey. Um, uh, Andrew brought her up last week. Um, her being injured um, kind of put a big hole in her defense. I looked, they really only had, like, what, two lines and then and – there's like 10 forwards, there. Ted forwards yeah, on Saturday. Two. And not only was Murphy gone or um, Harvey out, but I think her name is Wilgren. Another one of their key defensemen was also injured. Or she had, I believe she had an illness on Saturday. Uh, I'm not sure. I think she played on Friday, but uh, not on Saturday. So it was definitely a shorthanded team. Um, mm-hmm. And St. Cloud looked pretty good in this series. But Wisconsin's yeah. Wisconsin's just too good. We saw how we saw that depth of theirs. Um, mm-hmm. Just you know, like so we had like Maddie Wheeler score the the uh, one of the goals on Saturday. I think she's a third liner, but she still puts up points. Like she would have led St. Cloud in scoring last year, but she's like on their third line. She just made this great play. Um, with a nice shot beating uh, Chobak bar down, and that yeah. It, did a good job. I guess we're going out of order here. Let's let's start with Friday, I suppose. Um, and St. Cloud getting out to a one nothing lead in halfway through the game, kind of thinking, okay, they don't look. I mean, Wisconsin well, was out shooting them pretty heavily in that first period. Yeah, you're kind of thinking if that's going to be. Yeah, the first period it was very much Wisconsin, um, and then uh, we get kind of maybe a little bit of a fluke goal. Um, there on what was either the first or second shot of the period for the Huskies that kind of um, caused a little bit of chaos out in front and trickled in. Um, and then it was just some 
it was just some back-to-back penalties um, yeah. that were called on on us. And then, yeah, the end of the first period, you know, I thought, you know, we were playing better throughout the period. We were starting to get maybe a little bit of something, and then the two penalties, and then all of a sudden you blink, and we're down 2-1 going into the second. And you're kind of thinking at that point, okay, had the little mm-hmm. brief brief lead, but this is Wisconsin kind of imposing their will. They're able to collapse capitalize on both of those power plays that they got this might this might get ugly but that first period on friday was like the only true dominant period i thought from wisconsin the entire weekend correct um yep and there was even like the first period on saturday st cloud outplayed wisconsin which surprised me i i tweeted out because i went to the game there on saturday um and i said that i don't know how many periods wisconsin was outplayed um, but that was definitely one of them, um, if not maybe their first one of the season. So it was and j- just top to bottom um, uh, on on Friday. It was all four lines. I thought we were connecting passes. We were playing more up tempo. Um, things were looking great there um, for for Saturday's game. I still think on uh, both nights. I, I still think that Wisconsin on on whole is you know the better team, and I don't think Correct. it's. I don't think it's that close necessarily. Um, I mean, they're competitive games, but I just think Wisconsin's got three lines that are better than St. Cloud's top line. And, but the, the, the shot advantage was, was basically even throughout the majority of the weekend. Special teams played a big role, obviously. Um, St. Cloud didn't do enough on their power play opportunities. And Wisconsin did, enough with theirs uh, i think that was obviously the key getting back to a tie game two to two on friday and then you see that very nice play was that the curl goal uh to make it three to two just a nice little give and go there nothing that ahola could have done the fourth goal on friday is the one that ahola wants back uh that one yeah. i think was was the bad goal to give up no and curls was the power play goal to make it two to one at the end who was, uh, it was sims right and she had another she had a good weekend as well uh she had a very good weekend yeah and yeah she's but so curl she's off the score sheet on saturday though first time this year that 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 she's been stymied and off the score sheet i think that was a first first jojo one curl nothing is is what it comes down to so and so that was if you're going to say that if saint cloud wants a chance to to win or at least get some points you know, that would be a big key to to shut down Curl, and they did that. Now, some controversy. If we're going in the second game, mentioned that first period was a good one. I mean, Wisconsin scores an early goal, and you're again, again kind of thinking, is this going to spiral out of control? But St. Cloud, fairly soon after that, was able to regain sort of the control. Yeah. and That was a little bit unlucky that it, like, bounced off Himmlerova's stick out in front yeah it, it looked um, she may and, have and even directed it in it wasn't intentional yeah. obviously but it, it it yeah it, it was a, Which, a, a kind of a strange goal again talking about you know being shorthanded himlerova had to play defense only going five defense um grace wolf was on crutches at the game um and uh she she wasn't in a cast she was able to put weight on it um and it wasn't like full like legs suspended up in the air so she was still, it was just walking gingerly. So who knows how long she's going to be out for. And since it's women's hockey, I'm not going to get any news on how long she's going to be out for. 
Um, so, but, um, you know, I would imagine here with this bye week, you know, um, giving maybe a little bit of rest, that'll help. Who knows for St. Thomas. Um, but I think her presence was definitely missed. Um, because like I said, she was my pal, uh, last week, um, uh, against uh, Minnesota state. And I think, you know, some of that defense to, to kind of slow down maybe a little bit of some of that offense that uh, Wisconsin was able to just kind of roll out forward a little bit of a hamper right there. But, um, you know, so I thought that was interesting, you know, so I don't know if like Britt as well is a little bit injured or, you know, the freshmen are just not ready, you know, with all of the scratches or if Fidelski wants to do some red shirting and he's thinking long-term, I guess I don't know exactly what all the plans are when it comes to that, but I mean, it's just interesting that you're technically down to four healthy defensemen and you put Himmlerova back there. Who's not used to that position. And then sure enough, she accidentally redirects it right back in into the net right at the beginning of that. Pretty um, sure she played, she played some D last year for uh, an extended period because of, because of an injury. And I could almost think that she took some shifts against the, in the union series on the point. I don't think it's been. I mean, I she's, she out, she's out of position on power play. She will, yeah. But I so. think she, I think she did have some experience last year playing some, playing the point uh, due to some injuries as well. Um, I think she's a, a good choice in a in a pinch to cover the D. She was minus four on Saturday, but two of those were empty net. The empty net goals. Oh, I don't even think they should count plus minus for empty net situations. But anyway. uh I thought she did admir- admirably, but again, kind of another tough break. I mean, you you selected a bull for the Powell last week, and we mentioned then that was the first weekend with Gentry and Lynn back. It was the first series since the Union series that they had played basically fully healthy, at least with their key players. But now if, if we're losing Wolf for any amount of time here, that resets that clock, the injury clock, so yeah. to speak. And so it's like, yeah, can we can we ever just get a consistent run with the top players uh, available and not injured? So another kind of frustrating break there. But but still, that Saturday game, you know, I, I still think that Wisconsin was able to generate the best grade A chances in the game. But St. Cloud was still hanging in there. Um, a fortunate goal for them as well. Um, talking about that first Wisconsin goal kind of being fortunate. The second goal for St. Cloud, a bit of a good fortune kind of puck going off like the referee's skate sort of uh to surreal on the side and she was able to to tuck it in to tie it at two and i was feeling pretty good i again it didn't feel like you were kind of doing a dull stall in order to get to overtime but prior to the controversial penalty that was called late in the game uh which i'm let's just get into that uh you were you were at the game i I was watching it on TV. It was a rare Jim Rich uh, um, performance. Yeah, uh, it was for, on for a women's Fox game. Nine Plus, right? It was, it was on, and good, so. good work by uh, old friend Julie Friend, um, who's doing the color mm-hmm. commentating. Um, and they were, I mean, the the play was whistled dead a little late in the action because you had Himmlerova down behind the net, behind the St. Cloud. And Himmler, Himmlerova went down right in front of me. Because, like, you know, I've got the three kids and whatnot. I can kind of have them maybe run around a little bit more and not around other people <laughs> is kind of um, what what I like to do there. Um, but, yeah, so Himmlerova goes down and her leg kind of goes down to the boards hard. 
and it like it was right in the Drew LeBlanc side, like it's exact same spot. So I immediately that's where mine was going. Um, so she was writhing in pain. Um, Saint Cloud gets control of the puck. They don't blow it dead. When yeah, she's all the way they carried to like the, the neutral zone, and they still didn't yeah. blow the whistle dead. They finally did. And you're thinking that was because of, uh, you know, the injury situation. Um, and then it was, I don't know, three, four minutes later and, and the camera was right on Adolski and he was not happy. Uh, and I was thinking the whole time, was it, I was thinking well, he's angry because they're putting the face off in the St. Cloud zone, which is, yeah, I tough break if it's like their injured player and that's why you're taking it back to it kind of like made sense but still i could see a coach being upset but then sure. rich is like oh i think they're gonna call a too many players penalty and i'm like huh they didn't show any replay i didn't see i mean in during live i certainly did see anything now did someone yep. forget or did not not notice that Himmler was down and thinking that some you'd figure that yeah, the whole the whole focus would have been on her because that's seemingly what the broadcast was focused on like, Oh, got him down behind the and net. That's where, that's where I was focused on too. And then I, I looked up and I was like, why are they not calling it dead? Because we clearly took the puck out of the zone. Like it, it, you clearly have a player safety issue right here and you're not blowing it dead. And then, yeah, I mean, that, that could be the case. Maybe there was, or a line change that was too for true to like to, I don't know. Uh, it's, it seemed know. like they should have blown the whistle dead previously. And maybe yes. they, Maybe they thought that it had been whistled dead and they were trying to attend to him Larova, and then they call that like some sort of illegal line change too many players situation. It seemed it smelled um yeah, even was, from where I was, was sitting. Just, it was just all sorts of shit, especially you know late in the game and and, and they'd been playing yeah, I mean they called it ticky tacky penalty it's just they, it, they, it's they, like this is what you're gonna call at this stage like I am all for like the rule book and calling it how it should be and everything along those lines but when it comes to like hooking and slashing and interference like yeah call those but if you're gonna call like something like a too many men where it clearly doesn't disrupt a scoring chance or it doesn't give any specific advantage because you again have somebody down on the ice where you should have called it earlier it was absolutely ridiculous that they let this play continue yeah, and he, he kind of knew it too. So it's like I, I figured yeah. that they would score on oh, that power of course. play, and you're, I figured if you're... if there wasn't a power play, I I figured that game was going to go to overtime, and you're at yeah. least going to get something out of it. And maybe it's defeatist to have that mindset, uh, but it was just disappointing because you're just like, of course they score, and then salt in the wounds, they get two empty netters on top of that. It just left a, a bad taste because you were so close. You played so well in the weekend. You really didn't deserve to get swept based on how well you played. Um, I hate having to grade on a curve here and, and take a positive out of getting swept. But, I mean, this Wisconsin team is, is damn good. And yeah, they are. to play them as tightly as they did, I don't think 4-2 to two and 5-2 to two gives and it And even justice. outplayed them during a couple stretches. So Right. And, yeah. yes, they were a banged-up team. and They didn't have some of their better players. Uh, but um, but still, it's it's frustrating that it had to come down to kind of a technicality like that, which is mm-hmm. what, what I didn't I didn't like that aspect of it um, because again I'm thinking it, so this is three games now against the top echelon teams I'm trying to think of get like points in half of those games which is a tall order but 
Um, out of those 16 games, three of them, you know, one against the Gophers and these two against Wisconsin, unable to get points in any three of those so far. And I think it's the the difference between them and Duluth is picking up some of these, either having Duluth drop some games against the lower half or the lower three, let's say, St. Thomas, Bemidji, and Mankato, or St. Cloud picking up wins against the top half. Um, like so far, Duluth's lost their only two games against those those top echelon teams getting swept to, to Ohio State, and they've taken care of all their lower division mm-hmm. uh, games, including this weekend against St. Thomas. So you need to, that's how you're going to be able to jump them is by getting some points against these top teams or having Duluth, having re- to rely on Duluth to drop some of the games against the lower teams, or you just got to dominate them in head to head. And that's probably what it's going to come down to. Um, at least win that season series, but yeah. it was just was an opportunity there to to make some hay and to make some make up some ground here. Uh, and because Wisconsin still, you know, Duluth still got to play Wisconsin, uh, and so ha- being able to pocket some points against them now would have been would have gone a long way towards that, you know, standings position positional battle uh, that's coming up later this season. So just a frustrating uh, weekend because I think they played pretty well uh and just uh tough that they weren't able to get anything out of it and so and going into a bye week now um whole conference is actually off this weekend uh they have yeah, a uh, was... the, the hall of fame game is on thursday and that's a non-conference game between two conference opponents in mankato and st thomas but the entire conference is off i'm wondering if that had something to do with this rivalry series um games coming up this week I actually had, I was unaware of this. I'm thankful for Jim Rich to bring this up, but it's this uh, rivalry series, uh, Team USA against Team Canada. They've been doing this a couple of, a couple of years now. And it's a seven-game series, but they play it like three different weekends kind of spread out through the season. So they got a game this Wednesday at the Mullet in Tempe. I actually looked at tickets. I'm not going to be able to get off work early enough to get, I'd be able to get off work, but the drive plus phoenix rush hour puts twin cities uh, rush hour to shame i there i would maybe get there by the middle of the second period um but i still considered it uh and then they're playing i think in california on the weekend and a lot of the a lot of the players i mean most of the players are pwhlers but there's a fair amount of ncaa players and most of them are if not all of them are wsha <laughs> Like three or four. I mean, Harvey was going to be on the scheme. She played on the on the Team USA for the last year or two, um, but she's not playing because she's injured. That Wilgren, uh, the other defenseman, I'm not sure what her status is. If if it was an illness, if she's going to be able to make it. But Curls on the team. Um, I think there was three. Uh, Edwards, who who scored twice in the Saturday game, is is on the team. She looked really good too. Um, and so fair amount of. Uh, representation for Wisconsin and Ohio state, I think as a player or two on the team. So, I mean, I was, it's possible that they're giving the whole conference off because of this opportunity. I'm not sure if that it is related. It seems weird. The whole conference would be off this weekend. So I, I can't imagine that they're not related in some way, but if you got something to do, these games are going to be on NHL network. Uh, check it out. If you have an opportunity, it should be some good action between the two, uh, two Canadian uh, powerhouses in, in women's hockey, USA and Canada. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, I, w- I was going to go back um, quickly because you brought up Edwards. Um, yeah, she was. I didn't really give her 
too much of a mind here before this series, but God, did she impress me. And she is massive out there. <laughs> like when I was, cause I'm, you know, right on ice level and I'm standing up and like, she was, I mean, granted she's on skates and whatnot, but she was, I mean, she was a little bit taller and she's just a force out there. I think she's what listed as six foot. So pretty sure I'm pretty sure she like, was the one that, that did like an end to end rush. Yeah. She just like, I thought she was a defenseman at first uh, because I think she took the puck from behind the net and then just kind of skated up and threw the St. Cloud defense and made a very good scoring chance out of it. Yeah. T- took note of her uh, pretty, pretty quickly uh, on, on the series and, and yeah, and she's like, you know, she might be one of the more talented players on the team, but as in terms of scoring and and even like the star power, she's like sixth best on this team. That's how good this team is. That's so how, that's how deep. Although I think that Julie Friend made a good point after the game. I think they're a little vulnerable in goal. Like uh, yes, and I think yeah. that they're because they're they're doing this tandem. This is not the Chobac Ahola tandem with Gervais and McNaughton. I don't know anyone in the nation that has it. That's true, Macahola. but I don't think either of those goalies are even up to like the single, like one no. of those goalies. And so if not, they're, not I think if they have any sort of vulnerability and this was the first weekend that they really played any, anyone of uh real no. strength, it, once they get into the Ohio States and the Gophers, they haven't been thrilling either. I mean, it's kind of eked out a couple of wins against Mankato, but you, you play those type of teams, I think they might be able to expose either some youth or some just not as stellar goaltending that we're used to from, from Badgers goaltenders in the past. So after, after the bye is Wisconsin at Ohio state. Um, So that's definitely going to be one that I'm going to keep kind of uh, an eye on Um, quickly going back to the rivalry series. um, That uh, last game as at the XL energy center. That's Um, like in February. Is that right? In February, yep. And I checked the schedule. They're not like playing an off weekend in the WCHA that weekend. Um, so I, I'm not sure if this has anything. Maybe it's just a plan. Hey, we're going to have everybody. It seems weird. Like if you're going to have like a week off, why not make it like Thanksgiving or something? Why Why the second week in November? But yeah, they're playing. So Arizona and then California. Are they playing in, in Canada as well? Like through in January, I think, or December? I think they try yeah. to they sprinkle them through both American and Canadian venues. Yep, and December at two um, games in Ontario, and then um, in February there's uh, some games in Saskatchewan. I'd be interested what the vibe is at the mall at this uh, this Wednesday. Um, if it was probably on a weekend. I'd be more more likely to go just because it's a unique situation uh international hockey like that coming in to, to arizona uh, it'd be kind of fun but um maybe next time or at least next time it's on a saturday night instead of a wednesday night yeah. but, but i mean like you said though is that that's kind of a serious marketing problem um if if that you know i guess maybe i'm not in tune to the right things but you got to get the word out because obviously usa canada when it comes to women's hockey there's no love lost there uh, so those are going to be some intense matches. That's for sure. Yeah. Should be very so. interesting to watch. So, I mean, that's probably the most positive I've ever felt out of after a sweep ever. Right. I mean, I know it, it's, it sucks not getting any points, but I, I thought, I thought the Huskies looked a lot better than they did against 
even Minnesota State um, when they played. I thought they're that's probably they true. More, more, um, more cohesive. Their passes were a little bit better, a little bit faster, and whatnot. So uh, we'll see after this bye week. Um, hopefully, we get some players healthy, and then um, you know. But like, like you said, like the big, the big change is that you know the finishers, you know, and the shooters. And, and whatnot st cloud i think maybe lacking a little bit of it um whereas obviously wisconsin has has got them in spades so um do you have a pow um for for the uh for the women's series at all because i was going with sorial yeah um, i mean she had a goal in each had, game yeah points in each game and i thought um you know kind of seeing her take take uh take the kind of the next step i think is um uh was good to see. Yeah, I think I'll agree with that. Um, Cause she's, yeah, I mean, she's freshman. Um, so like, you know, she's starting to look maybe a little bit more comfortable. Um, you know, got a couple of assists here uh, back one, one assist against Minnesota state one against Lindenwood, but um, you know, to see pop in two goals, obviously, I mean, we're going to need some of that depth. So I think Gentry was good, even though I don't believe she appeared on the score sheet. Very good in the faceoff dot uh, all weekend. St. Cloud winning the draws in, in uh, the Handle. majority of the draws in, in both <laughs> games. I think that that added to the, had, uh, the level she playing She had an field. assist on Kaufman's goal on the power okay. play. And we should mention Svenia Voigt. I don't think we've mentioned her yet, but she was at the first goal on Friday. And mm-hmm. so I always like to mention uh, players like that, like that when they get into the uh, into the action. Um, and so, yeah, I, I like the surreal um, surreal. Uh, I like that uh, pow pick, though, um, getting a goal in each game, keeping them in the game. And I think that she um, Kaufman, I think, played well uh, as well. Um, yeah, it I wasn't like was a Kaufman's best weekend. Yeah, she's been impressive. I mean, she had that great goal in, against the Northeastern in the uh, icebreaker, uh, but um, but she's been impressive as well. It's uh, it's good to see. Maybe it's the depth isn't quite at the Wisconsin level. That's uh, tough to beat for anybody to say that. But well, it's uh, also tough for Adolski to do that in two years. So it's true. That's true. But yeah, lots of good things to see here. And now we can um, you know, take the week off, which considering the Wolf injury. Might not be a bad time for a for an, uh, for a bye week yep. here, but then coming back against St. Thomas with a home and home, and that's going to be another series uh, like that Mankato series a couple weeks ago, where it's like need to get that sweep. So we'll preview that uh, more in depth next week. Yep. Uh, questions. Um, two questions actually. The first two that I got were uh, both about the uh, officials and the too many players penalty in Wisconsin. So I think we talked about that quite a bit, but. Tim Mann and SDP, uh, thank you for those uh, questions there. Um, but basically, yeah, ridiculous. Um, uh, Chris Becker, is it concerning that in many games of the men's team seems to need a score to kind of wake them up? Um, at Yeah, th- there's definitely some of the games, especially Saturday's game, that first period. Um, you know, I, I didn't really know what to expect of it. You know, Friday's game, we got that goal fairly early. Um, but I was just more happy to see us extend the lead and, like, put put our boot on the neck of them. 
Um, that's what I felt like I was actually more concerned about versus some of the slower starts that we've been having this season is that we haven't been putting teams away. And then we finally did that this series. So, um, so, but yeah, I mean, somebody needs to provide that jolt and that spark. Um, uh, so it's, I, I think it's an issue, but I think extending the leads and whatnot and, and putting these teams away is a little bit more of an issue. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think the um, that's what I was thinking before the Werner goal to make it three to one on Friday. I was thinking, okay, this game Miami's gonna yeah. tie it late. Miami's gonna tie it late. It's gonna be two to two. It's gonna be one another one of those marathon shootouts that we saw last year, and it's just gonna be like, give us half a point and let's get out of here. And I don't want to see any of this anymore. That's kind of where that was heading. So that was a big goal from from Werner because, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it was the story of. The Alaska loss, I thought, you know, the chances to to get up to a two to nothing lead in that game that you squandered um, was a big turning point. Um, the St. Thomas, the opening St. Thomas um, game, I think is the same reason. So I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know about what they need as far as motivation to to get in the game. I don't know what, you know, I, I, I'm not really sure what what to say there, but in terms of extending leads and putting teams away, that's been more troubling. Let's see if they can do that against some better competition here coming up, but um, good yeah. to see at least that th- these games not slip away, at least that Friday game. Cause if that game was in October, that game probably does slide away. Um, and maybe yeah. this is the turn of, of something new here, the, the start of something new. Indeed. Uh, Dan Jacobson, I told you to put a pin in this uh, topic earlier, so let's pull it out. Is BC, Denver, or Wisconsin more annoying uh, being number one in the polls? Um, so those are kind of your top three teams right now. Um, and as much as I was thinking about, God, it's good to have the Cole Center rocking again, um, it did make me think, God, did I just say that I'm like hoping for the best of Wisconsin. Is it because of Hastings? But like, it's, it's, it's gotta be like the newness of it. Right. Because it's, it's gotta like, like phase off soon. Cause I've never liked Wisconsin. Um, if you like, which would, which do you think would be the more annoying team to have number one out of those three? Did I, did I miss his, is there a, like a three-way tie for number one or is that I just mean, not tie? necessarily this, who um, is number? Not that I care about the Astro pool, but who I would assume it's BC. because I think they were BC. They were number one last week. Yep. BC, BC, Denver, then Wisconsin. I mean, we did. I don't. Yeah. BC's whatever. Like we're so far away from them that we don't really have the emotional, uh, reaction to bc like if we were eastern fans we'd have much more of a opinion about them so i don't really that doesn't really move the needle one way or the other for me denver and wisconsin we've we've got some nice nicely formed opinions over many many years <laughs> uh, and so those teams are a little bit more hitting close to home uh, emotionally but uh yeah yeah wisconsin see now my thing with like it's not like I'm rooting for these teams, but, and it's different now with, this is like the biggest problem of this is a yearly rant. So buckle up. You may have heard this one before, but um, 
the problem with consolidating all the big schools into the Big Ten is that these sort of bumps in interest are only limited in terms of if they were in the old WCHA, it's like a trickle up effect. If Wisconsin's better yeah. and relevant, we really saw this with the Gophers when they went in their sort of the down Lucia years, late 2000, late aughts, early 2010s. That was an effect on the rest of the league because when they're when they're losing interest, when they don't draw very well, that serves like a trickle up with the other Minnesota schools. And similar, not as not as impactful because Wisconsin isn't in Minnesota, but it's similar in that respect. When they're when they're really good, it draws interest in the other smaller schools than the WCHA back then. We don't really see that effect now because they're all in their one big conference with all big schools. There really is no trickle up. I mean, there is, I guess, with non-conference, but it's the impact is limited because they're all all yeah. the big boys are in one house, whereas all the other all the other smaller schools are scattered about in other conferences. So it'd be it'd be really great if this was the old the old days and teams like Minnesota and Wisconsin were were back to relevance because that would increase interest in the Bemidji's and all in Omaha and all across what the old WCHA was at the end there. And so we don't really get that impact, but Hey, Michigan and Wisconsin can draw 12,000 on a Saturday night in, in early November. Uh, we should be celebrating that. It's better than those two teams getting 4,000 um, per night and no TV deal. Like, uh, so it's, it's still a good thing that there's that much interest in, in the game. Um, but, the, the impact, like I said, is a little muted because it's not spreading the love to the other smaller schools, which was like the best possible business model for college hockey. Um, it was be- it was it was the best uh, model, not only for the small schools, but also for the big schools. But wow. um, so that's that's a frustrating part of it. But but yeah, I guess I don't really. Yeah, I don't know. My brother went to Wisconsin, so I, I can't like completely hate it, um, even though I, I really don't. I mean, and, and Hastings is not as as hateable as um, you know Eves or Granada. Even the Granada was like he was just so bad you couldn't really even hate him really. But uh, certainly Eves, I, I had more of an issue with Eves. Uh, but yeah. um, Hastings, you know, he is a Husky, uh, so and he says he's got a St. Cloud State degree uh, in tow. So um, I can't hate him too too much, but. Uh, but yeah, it's if they, I'll, I mean, Wisconsin's certainly not my least favorite Big Ten school, big uh, in hockey. <laughs> Penn State's got that on lockdown. Probably Notre maybe, Dame. Um, yeah, maybe, arguably maybe another, even the Gophers. Uh, another pod yeah. will do a rank the Big Ten schools. So sure, go ahead. If it, if it if it if their success uh, <laughs> means Penn State's going to be in last place, I'm all for it. Sure enough. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, Denver being uh, number one is annoying, like the most annoying thing. It's I just just be bad already. Just one season. Just be bad. Like, you don't have to be like terrible. Like North Dakota wasn't great. That was nice. <laughs> like just to have that, you know, little bit of a dip every now and then, please. Denver just well, they did that. You've, they did that in, never... in the uh, in the covid year and they didn't make the tournament. They were under 500. Uh, that year but just yeah, and covid ruined that i like that had like a special little ecstasy for me and well remember was that was year. carl still thought that they should have gotten in that year 
even though they were under 500. It was like them or Omaha was going to was the pick. And uh, so that that's like their that's their tank. That's their idea of tanking is like going 10 and 12 in a COVID shortened <laughs> season. But and that but and the whole the whole excuse there, according to Schlossman, is like what they couldn't they couldn't practice together regularly. Yeah. So, yep. Exactly. Uh, yeah, even when things don't go well, they've got a great excuse for it. Oh, it's so annoying. God, Denver. Nobody likes Denver. Um, uh, and then uh, how soon do we have the promo code for the maple bacon blueberry beef sticks? And that's uh, <laughs> that's actually not something really on my. Re- that's too much in a beef stick. Like, like, like I love. Like, like beef sticks should have maximum of like two things that blend really well together, and then that's it. Like, like you don't need to pack so many different types of uh, things in a beef stick, in my opinion. Like at so, one point, at, at what point does that become a a blueberry stick with meat in it? <laughs> right, exactly. So I don't know what like, you're talking about because chili, uh, I like a I hear cheese beef stick, yeah. I mean that that's great, like like a jalapeno beef stick or I don't I don't know. Now I really want to go to Manea's Meats and and grabs that that's kind of my the meat market I go to. That's in uh, Sock Rapids. Um, I can go for like a ribeye too. I should have steak. I want to make a steak again. Anyway, that that's what that's where I land on beef stick gate. Is I didn't really know what you're talking about when you brought this up at the start of the show or the pre-show. I didn't know what you're talking about. You I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think it's the fact that Gino Parrish had a bunch of meat sticks in his pocket and he snacks on them during the broadcast. Maybe not during. Well, that would make sense because I I, I have them on mute uh, during the men's games and I listen to KVSC, which I told you was making plenty of weldy reference during their hey. their uh, coverage this weekend. Hey, so we we appreciate so, some listen. I don't actually think they're listening. I think they're just following you on Twitter. So that's fine. Um, but I yeah, appreciate the follow because <laughs> he almost forgot my name, but he did. I think he, he did scurry and did do his research on the fly and found out what my name was. So well, thanks for listening. SCSU traveling fan. So nobody gets that reference anymore. You got to follow me oh. on green ground. I got some stamps finally. So if you, I have some, I have some um, welcome codes. If you welcome want a welcome code, ground. email me huskieshockeypodcast at gmail.com and uh, give me your address and then I can send you a green ground. <laughs> there you go. For that about does it. Uh, this uh, episode here of the Huskies Hockey Podcast. Uh, well, the at more clappers, M-O-A-R, more clappers. Uh, you already got uh, Andrew's handle and green ground and his email. So yeah. um, we'll be back next week. Um, hopefully talking about Western Michigan. Um, and then I don't even know who's after. Who do we have? Dilute. Ugh, gross. I know. So it's, um, and then obviously, um, we said we'll probably preview uh, St. Thomas as well. Maybe we'll uh, get in a little bit of the women's rivalry series um, as well. I don't know. I don't have any. Maybe I'll make it up there. Maybe I'll ditch work and I'll go up there and I'll give you a first hand report. Uh, Until next time, go Huskies. Woo!